Hello and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast, episode number 225. I'm your host, Mike Anello. And in today's podcast, we have an interview with Mike Pirog about the Lando Alliance, big happenings in the Lando community, followed by an interview with April Sides, one of the organizers of Drupal Camp Asheville, which takes place this summer. And then finally, a new segment with Chris Weber, titled The Change Notice. Before we get to the interview with Mike Pirogue from the Lando Alliance, I want to give a quick shout out to Graham, a listener who contacted us about a week ago. He mentioned he has been binge listening to every single episode of the Drupal Easy podcast, which is amazing and scary at the same time. Uh, Graham brought up the fact that we had talked about um, which band compares well with Drupal, which musical band. Apparently I said Rush. Um, and Graham believes that Fish might be a better comparison to Drupal and its community. Uh, if you have strong feelings about this, feel free to contact us at info at DrupalEasy.com. Thanks for listening, Graham. I am here with Mike Pirog, and I believe I just said your name correctly. I've been practicing for 10 minutes. Are we good? Success. Fantastic. Mike is one of the, what would you call yourself, maintainers, um, originators? Uh, like, What's your title in the Lando uh, ecosystem? Yeah, I, I think it's probably best to describe myself as a maintainer. Um, yeah, we, we officially have this benevolent dictatorship position, which I, which I hold. But since I am benevolent, it's sort of a meaningless position. All right, fair enough. Well, that's who you are in relation to Lando then. So you recently published a blog post uh, announcing the Lando Alliance, which we're going to get into here in a second. Um, but actually, maybe we'll start here. So real quick, just for folks who are listening, who have no idea what Lando is, how, how would you describe Lando to, um, you know, to someone who is, you know, who's never heard of it? Sure. Yeah. So Lando, um, a lot of people describe Lando as a local development tool. We sort of describe it a little bit more broadly as basically just a development tool. Um, so theoretically, this is the only development tool that you would need. It's capable of uh, running all of your projects, uh, determining all the tools that you need for your projects, testing your projects, um, and deploying your projects. So on my computer, the only tool that I have to do all my development across all my projects is Lando. Um, and that's that's really sort of the goal. If you're familiar with Vagrant, it uh, is probably the, that's the closest analog that I can think of, um, except that it, it operates faster and at greater scale. Yeah, and I think the one keyword I would throw in there as well is that it it, it it's Docker based. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a large percentage of our users don't know or care about the Docker piece of it, but yes, under under the hood, it it leverages Docker. So to return to the sort of vagrant comparison, you're talking about containers instead of virtual machines. And that provides an order of scale and efficiency um, that you couldn't really get with a, with a virtual machine. So, you know, possible to have pretty much all the dependencies that you need for a project containerized on a per project basis. And you can swap between them very quickly. And with 
virtual machines, that was that was difficult at scale. You know, ten minutes to build this machine here, ten minutes to just you know build this machine over here. A lot faster with Docker. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. You get better speed, better, better scale. All right. So you know, we're gonna kind of work our way up to this announcement um, for the Lando Alliance, but let's let's talk a little bit about history for a couple minutes here. You know, this project, the Lando project, started out. It's about ten years ago now um, as Calibox. Uh, which was a tool that you developed um, to help people, you know, basically. And I think it was Drupal focused at the time. Am I correct on that? Was Calibox Drupal focused, or was it more generic? Yeah, the the initial version of Calibox was 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 Drupal focused. Yes. Yeah, and that was another. It was a local development environment um, akin to Acquia Dev Desktop um, called Calibox, and. That kind of ran its course, and I, I don't know, was it three, four, five years that Calibox was actively maintained before um, you made the switch over to Lando? Yeah, there were there were there were two versions of Calibox. Um, the first one I think was was maintained for sort of a year or two. The second one increased the scope a little bit, so then we actually added WordPress at that point. Um, and uh, that I think that was actively maintained for three or four years. Um, and the, but the reason why we call uh, the reason why we're versioning Lando as Lando 3 is we're just sort of looking at it as a spiritual successor. So really the sort of third iteration of Calibox, but there are very big differences between between all of them. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, though, that a good number of users who were using Calibox, you know, came along for the ride onto Lando. So I think it's more than fair to say that, you know, it's a spiritual successor. Yep, yep. And that's that's why Lando, the Lando stable release will be version 3 is to, is to reflect that sort of spiritual succession. Right. Okay. So the blog post has some has a few really interesting stats, and the first one that really um, is impressive is that currently Lando has over ten thousand active monthly users. So I'm guessing that is um, quite a few more than you had uh, in the Calibox days. Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. Um, one of the one of the sort of problems that we discovered with with Calibox is it was it addressed a very narrow market, which is essentially uh, Drupal and WordPress users who have projects on Pantheon and um, and prefer a, a sort of a GUI tool and prefer basically like what we tell you to prefer <laughs> instead <laughs> of what you like. Um, so there's always a ceiling there. Um, and that was one of the big things that we wanted to address with Lando, which is essentially open up the core technology that was in Calibox so that users can sort of do what they need um, and increase the scope of, of, um, of functionality and, and basically have that one tool that works on all projects instead of having Calibox for these three projects, you know, dev desktop for these three projects, custom MAMP, custom, you know, vagrant setup for these four projects. So that's sort of what we wanted to solve with Lando. So the, you know, one of the, the main points of the blog post, you, you go into it quite deep in the blog post is, um, it's something that I'm sure a lot of people have asked you, and I know a lot of people have been wondering about, but what's the business model? Is this just an open source project? Um, or, you know, is there a business behind it? Or is there a revenue stream that, um, that you're working towards? And, you know, the blog post kind of goes into that quite a bit. It talks about how you explored some revenue, uh, potential revenue streams in Calibox. Um, nothing really panned out. You also mentioned in, in the blog post, and I'll stop talking after this one, that Lando has 10 times the users uh, at half the time and cost of development and maintenance of Calibox, which is pretty amazing. 
So it seemed like you were developing Lando for, you know, to, to scratch a couple itches, you know, one of them to make it easier for developers to get what they want, but also to make it easier for the maintainers to maintain it. Yep, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, to give to give a brief history on just our our efforts in, uh, shall we say, like making developers' lives easier with better development tools. Um, quite a long time ago, um, I was one of the co-founders of a, of an agency called Calamuna, um, and the original Calabox project was designed purely as an internal uh, exercise. Calamuna was a digital agency. Um, we wanted to like increase our efficiency internally, and we thought that building something like Calabox would help us do that. And we were correct. It, it, it did help us do that. Um, we showed it to a couple of our friends. They liked it. And that sort of got us on the pathway of like, oh, well, maybe there's something here. We should make this more widely available to other people. So we did. Um, people liked it. We thought maybe there was something there. But every this, this is a, a trap that I think many agencies fall into is they have ambitions to build some sort of product. They sort of bootstrap the time to do that. Um, some of them have obvious business models and some of them don't. Um, so for Calibox, we had this thing, people liked it. It certainly helped us hire people. Uh, I think it helped us get our name out there. Um, but at some point, like the, there was not enough really time and money to sustain sort of ongoing development, um, and feature requests for the product. So we took quite a bit of time to see whether, to, to see how we could solve that problem, um, and uh, many of you, many of you know that we launched a Kickstarter to help do Calibox Two. You know that was that was successful, but covered a very small percentage of the costs that we incurred making Calibox Two. Um, you know, when, when we finally released Calibox Two, we uh, tried to raise some money, uh, had some offers on the table that we ultimately turned down, which I think, you know, in, in retrospect, was a, was probably a good decision. Um, and then we realized that just like the, the cost of maintaining this sort of thing. Uh, the costs were very high. Um, and there was no sort of obvious business model for a free and open source uh, development tool if you weren't going to take money, um, which we decided we didn't want to do. Uh, so that was sort of where we pivoted to Lando. And I think that, that, was a, that, was a, that was a good decision. But finding a business model has always been very difficult. And uh, I think ultimately we decided that there shouldn't be one. Yeah, that's that's kind of where the the blog post ends up. Is that you and your partner did soul searching over over some beverages? You know, I don't know if it was you know over one evening or probably over the course of of you know time. There was discussions and, and, and trying to figure out what to do and what what is the business model. And at one point, it sounds like it struck struck you that there is no business model. It's it, it's not it's not meant to be a business model. It's meant to be as you describe in the in the blog post. It's meant to be a movement. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my business partner, Alec, and I, we, we essentially left uh, Calamuna, Calamuna, a company that we started to find a business model for Calibox. And we, uh, the, the, the blog post details some of the more crazy ideas that we had, but we, we tried many, many things um, to, to sustain this, this, um, this idea. And I think that the sort of the only, the only way that we could have done it is if we had accepted quite a bit of money and then built out like tools around it. But our thought there was, if we, if we were to do that, then eventually we're going to lose track of why we made this in the first place, which is for developers, for ourselves, for developers. 
So I think that was sort of the sticking point on that on that front. And then the flip side of it was this thing was just very expensive. So you know we thought if we could bring the costs down, the cost of maintaining it and developing it down, um, and just basically make the the fundamental assumption shift that this shouldn't be a business, this should be something else. I think those two those two realizations I think really powered where we are now, which is uh, essentially starting a movement. You know, if you're if if someone is interested, you know, we we are obviously very interested in making developers' lives easier. We've we've done it basically to no benefit, <laughs> to little to no benefit to ourselves for almost ten years now. Um, and there's got to be other people who feel this way, um, who want who want to be who want to make other to make their make their own lives easier, make other developers' lives easier. And that's really the idea of the Lando Alliance, which is like, look, this is a free and open source tool. It's going to be that way forever. We want it to be something that's made, you know, by, you know, of, by, and for developers. And I think the best way to achieve that is if if developers themselves join the movement and help contribute to the project. And that might be with their time. That might be with their money. So, you know, when you say it's a movement, I'm trying to fit this into like what I what I what's already out there and what I know. I'm trying I'm trying to stick it in a bucket. You know, is when you call it a movement, is it? Is it actually like, a, are you creating a nonprofit? Is the Lando Alliance going to be a nonprofit or is it going to be an open source? I mean, it's already an open source project, but is the Lando Alliance kind of going to be akin to like the Drupal Association? And I only use that as the example because this is a Drupal podcast. Linux Foundation, I think, might be another right. good example. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we've, Alec and I have, have discussed sort of what the legal entity should be for something sure. like this. I mean, right now it's the legal entity is our business tandem, which is a digital agency as well. I, th- I think that if, if the alliance is, succe- is successful and we are able to generate a significant amount of sponsorship dollars and c- contributor hours, then moving to like a nonprofit model makes a bunch of sense. But right now that is, that is not on the table. We're going to get to the money, you know, the, the sponsorship levels in a minute. And I did notice your the money is going to go into uh, you're going to use Open Collective for that. So there are there are three sponsorship channels. There's GitHub sponsors, which is a relatively new thing, uh, Patreon and Open Collective. Um, you can sponsor either either through either of the three methods. Um, I think that the, each I think each one is geared towards a, a a separate sort of thing. So Open Collective is probably the biggest one that's most different. Uh, where there's like a, a good deal of transparency about who's getting paid for what. Right. Oh, okay. So yeah. So now I'm just now seeing GitHub sponsors and Patreon um, on your sponsorship pages. I didn't catch that the first time. So great. All right. So um, you know, this is the blog post is as much informational as it is like a call to action, um, and you're asking people to join the alliance by with their time or with their money. So let's talk about with their time first. You know, there's a bunch of ways here that um, you're asking people to get involved. Do you want to talk about one or two of those without, you know, I don't want to go into every single one in detail, but maybe just highlight one or two that you're maybe more excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the, 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 the general idea with the time part of this is we wanted to build a I mean, platform might be a strong word, but probably good to conceptualize this. Build build a platform for people. People who are interested in helping other developers can participate in the platform, and in the act of doing that, they're going to be they're going to basically be allowing us to work on Lando. Um, so a good example of this is one of the things that we're launching as part of the alliance is a is a blog, blog.lando.dev. Um, 
the blog is, is basically for anyone who, who any, anyone really don't, don't have to be a Lando user. If you're interested in contributing content that helps make the, other people's, other developers' lives easier, then, then do so. And, you know, the more content that we have, the more eyes are on the blog. And the more people who go to the blog, the more we can raise in, av- in advertising revenue and the more people will ultimately find Lando. So this is an, an example of sort of the positive feedback loop that we're trying to create uh, with people who want to give their time uh, to Lando. Um, another example is uh, participating, uh, e- e- uh, evangelizing um, in ways, uh, presenting, in, uh, going out to events and presenting uh, topics that also help make developers' lives easier. Those may or may not be Lando-related talks, but helping to uh, market those for people um, through the, our channels, our Twitter account, our newsletter. Um, you know, these are other ways that we think that we can help elevate uh, sort of developer advocates, people who want to want to help help out. And in doing so, we're, we're making Lando stronger at the same time. Um, so those are examples of those are the things that I'm more interested in. The things that are sort of tangential or adjacent to Lando. Um, so if you don't you don't necessarily need to work on Lando proper, although that is something else that we want people to do. You can work sort of around the Lando space. And this is where the movement idea comes in because the, the, the Lando Alliance is about developers helping other developers. Like if, if you care about making other developers' lives easier, you should join this movement. If you, lose, if you, use, if you, if you use Lando, that's great. If you don't, you can still participate. Um, and participating will help us make these tools for other people. Yeah, it's so funny because as I was kind of writing down some notes before we talked um, about the different ways that you talk about contributing, um, you know, in this blog post, um, I didn't write down any notes about contributing code, right? You know, or, or contributing back to open source. So there's just kind of, um, yeah, just right now it just strikes me as kind of interesting. All right, so let's talk about the second half of how people can give, and that's with these uh, a newly announced uh, set of sponsorship levels. Um, and the sponsorship levels look pretty cool. I mean, they start at um, four dollars a month, and there's actually some um, some features available to to folks at pretty much every level that I see here. So, you want to talk about some of those, you know, the, the thinking behind that, and, and maybe some of the levels. So, the the way that we sort of conceptualize the sponsorships are, if you if you've known about our project for quite a while, or if you read the sort of blog uh, announcement for the alliance, I think it's it's fairly clear that our primary audience is just individual developers. Um, but obviously, like there's a there's a greater ecosystem and grouping of developers out there out there, primarily like the digital agency, and then sort of these platforms. So there's. I think that there's a there's an implicit acknowledgement there that there's basically three of these there's three personas: individual developers, these agencies, and these larger sort of organizations. Those might be platforms as a service, or uh, you know, larger 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 companies that have significant developer teams. Um, so I think the when, when all is said and done, I'm guessing the vast majority of the dollars that we receive are going to be from individual developers. Um, and I think the, the idea there was make them pretty, make, make them very, make the amounts very small. Um, you know, if you think that, if you think that, if you think Lando saves you basically an hour or two a year, (laughs) then the value proposition of sponsoring should be fairly straightforward. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
that, that's a great way of looking at it is think about how much time it saves you per year and um and and and, and sponsor at a level you know so, you know some percentage of that level hopefully a high percentage of that level Right. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the business calculation. And if, if you go to the, the, the Lando blog that we have, blog.lando.dev, there's actually, um, there are three articles that detail sort of, you know, the top five reasons why you might want to sponsor if you're a developer or an agency or a platform as a service. Um, but to me, that's the most straightforward sort of calculation. Um, you know, does Lando save me time and money? And if it does, should I return some of that value? Um, that's the most straightforward sort of reason to, to sponsor. But there are like many other reasons too. Like our, um, the vast majority of, of Lando work is currently pro bono or sponsored directly by Tandem. Um, so if you think that people should be paid for work, <laughs> that's valuable, then that's another good reason to sponsor the project. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. That um, in the announcing the Lando Alliance blog post, you know, you actually lay out what the priorities are. Um, you know, you would like to hire a developer to work full time on Lando. I think was the first one, and I think the second one was to um, hire someone to uh, provide support in, in some sort of full time manner. Yep. Yeah. I mean, everything everything that happens right now is is volunteer basis for the most part. Every every now and then, Tandem's got some free time, and we're happy to use that working on Lando. But that time has been diminishing over the last three years as our business has sort of grown, the, the agency business. Um, so a huge part of the Lando Alliance is we have all these people using it now, and we need to make sure that we stay up to speed both with the latest developments in development um, because. You know, local development is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a piece of software that truly never is done. <laughs> you right. know, if, 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 if technology stops, then local development is done. But it, it's so different. You know, when I talk about local development environments with, with folks that I teach, I feel it's so different now than it was 10 years ago. Um, because 10 years ago, you could get away with using WAMP or MAMP and not update it all that often, and you would be fine for, yep. you know, one, two, three-year clips at a time. But things have changed considerably where, you know, your local development environment needs to be needs to be nimble. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest problems that we have with Calibox, uh, Calibox 2 in particular, which is when we made the switch to Docker, is... You know, I, I think that we were in, in some ways a little too ahead of the curve. And you're, what you're saying is, is correct. Like a lot of people just didn't require that kind of, uh, like that kind of tooling. Um, but now it's become much more of a necessity, particularly over the last few years. Um, so something like this really is hugely valuable um, and requires a lot of, even, even with the, the sort of improvements that we made from Calibox 2, still requires a lot of maintenance and upkeep and support. So a huge part of the alliance is like, look, this thing, like we need to, if, if you want this thing to stay up to date with all the, the new PHP versions, new integrations with other platforms, uh, new tools that come out, new workflows that come out, new frameworks that come out, um, then th that requires a ton. Um, so if you want, if you want to continue receiving the value, uh, you know, it requires people to work on it. And I think that that's, that is a huge part of it. And the other part of it is, you know, we've got a Slack channel. We try to provide support as often as we can, but there's, we're getting a lot more support questions now because we have a lot more people. And, you know, I think it would be best for everyone if there was someone that we could dedicate to spending time on there to help these help people with their with their concerns. 
and to take the time to, to answer those questions and then institutionalize them in our documentation and other places so that the next person that has that question can find the answer really easily. Right. So it sounds like that support person would be both answering questions and like writing documentation and, and, and keeping some type of, you know, whether it's a stack exchange or, or something like that, kind of, you know, monitor that and keep that, you know, up to date. Yep, I mean, our, it would be in our documentation, potentially Stack Stack Exchange as well. But our our documentation is extremely expansive. Awesome. So a lot of you know, we will, we want to have a situation where we can answer people's questions in in Slack and then provide sort of work, you know, provide the the answers to those questions. Um, ideally, with with documentation, so code snippets, instructions, put those on the docs, and then you know, sort of institutionalized for for life. So I, we'd love to do more of that. There's a lot of questions that come up over and over and over again. Um, and all you really need, to, if we could just copy and paste the link in there, this is how you do it. That's the sort of thing that we'd like to do. So let's let's talk about one more thing. And I'm sure some people are going to accuse us of burying the lead. Um, and let me just say on a personal note, I love the fact the way that you lean into all the Star Wars references in, in, in your naming and, and other things. Um, and here comes another one. Lando 3.0.0 will be released on May the 4th. Just a coincidence. Just a, yeah, I'm sure a random coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so what can we expect? What's, what's new in Lando 3? Is this a refactoring or like what, what's the, what are some of the big flagship uh, features of uh, 3.0? Yeah, so um, it's nice to hear you say that about the uh, the Star Wars references. We've always tried to keep our products sort of like light and a little bit irreverent. Uh, the more the more people who use it, sadly, the more people don't like that sort of thing, which is unfortunate. But uh, oh, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I mean, like uh, working on this stuff is difficult, and you know, if 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 the small joy that we get is just dropping a few Star Wars references, that seems like a pretty good value, a pretty good trade off to me. But um, well, yeah, so uh, Lando 3.0.0 coming out on May the 4th. Um, a lot of people might not know this, but there actually hasn't been a stable release of Lando yet. We're still actually in release candidate phase. Um, so this would be the actual stable release. Um, there won't be any, I don't think, there, there won't be any like refactoring or groundbreaking changes. I think it's just finally, finally getting to say like, hey, there's a stable Lando version that's available now. Do you feel that 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 you know all the release candidates has been and just the length that the release candidates have been available? Do you think that's um, has been holding people back from from trying out Lando because they've been waiting for a, a, a full release? Um, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I think why we why we were very tentative about the versioning um, is you know we know that our we we knew that our capacity to to handle tons and tons of users was not super high, um, so this gave this gave us an opportunity to like sl- slowly sort of build that up. Um, and if, I mean, we we have way more people than we thought that we would have, uh, but I think that we would have had a lot more if we had said, "Hey, this is a stable release; it's out. Use it." No, oh, so this was this was actually you thought about this as a throttling tool. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There there will be there will be some some things in the in the 3.0. So. Uh, the latest release of Docker Desktop uh, supporting that is a is a big thing that came out a, a month or month or so ago and didn't play nice with Lando, so that will be in there. Um, fi- finally, making some of our experimental file sharing optimizations uh, officially available will be part of it. Um, there will be a refresh of um, some of our Pantheon integration. 
um, and a general refresh of sort of all of the services that are available. So new PHP versions, new Node versions, um, uh, better better uh, Lando sharing, um, so you can you know share your projects between uh, other uh, with other people. Um, some of the more exciting things, and to like circle this back around to a sponsorship appeal, Mike, Mike Anello, mm-hmm. is I do think the vast majority of the sponsors that we're going to get are going to be individual developers, but we are very lucky that like larger uh, platforms have decided to sponsor Lando as well. So um, I think by the time this comes out, this will be known. If, if not, then whoops. Um, <laughs> but super big shout out to Pantheon, who is going to sponsor us at the, at the highest level to platform.sh who will also be sponsoring us at the highest level and to amazie.io who will also be sponsoring us at the highest level. So does that does that mean there's going to be integrations for those three platforms from within Lando? That's exactly where I'm going, Mike Anello. Oh, I'm sorry. I re- did I ruin it? <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> well, it's good. Good segue. Good segue. I'm super excited. I mean, that's fantastic. That's that's a, that's great news. To uh to, to so to circle back around to the 3.0.0 release, um there, there will likely be some sort of preview or beta release of some of these integrations for people to try out as well. So, you know, we're very excited that all of these people have decided to sponsor Lando. I mean, Pantheon, we've had a relationship with Pantheon for a very, very long time. And uh, Pantheon will also be releasing a, a, a GUI local development tool, uh, probably around DrupalCon as well, which is built on top of Lando. And uh, yeah, we're very excited for these people to, you know, for for Pantheon and platform and Amazie to um, acknowledge that developers are valuable and that the tools that they use are important and to want to support those tools. All right. Fantastic. That's, uh, that, that's great. That's great to hear. Let's wrap this up. If someone is new to Lando and wants to try it out, like where do they start? Best place to go is Lando.dev. There's a big blue button that says get Lando and that's the one you want to click. And that'll and that'll link them off to the how to get the code or how to get the software and you know some some getting started instructions and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. So if you if you've never used Lando before, that's the best place to go. It'll give you some in- installation instructions, um, and optionally you can join sort of our like Lando University newsletter, um, which will send you uh, every week. We'll send you. Um, a guide on how to do uh, increasingly more complex things with Lando. All right, fantastic. Well, Mike, thanks so much for making the time. Um, exciting, exciting stuff. So, congratulations, first of all. I'm, I, you know, uh, I know you've. This has been a long road for you for the past ten years, and um, it's it's great to see it come this far. And it seems like we're um, you're at a bit of an inflection point. And so, I, I you know, I, I only want to wish you the best, and I, I can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate that. And everything that you said is 100% true. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's what I like to tell my family. They don't buy that, though, for some reason. <laughs> well, I mean, that might be a problem that you have to deal with on your own. If I can help <laughs> exactly. with that too much. <laughs> exactly. All right, cool. Well, thanks for joining me, Mike. All right. Thanks a bunch, Mike. MyDropWizard.com if you have a Drupal 6, 7, or even a Drupal 8 site, and you do not want to be the person in charge of maintaining it, keeping modules up to date, keeping core up to date, and all that sort of thing, then you should talk to the folks at mydropwizard.com. They offer basic maintenance plans for Drupal 6, 7, and 8, especially 
if you have a Drupal 7 site, you should be paying attention to this one. Um, Drupal 7 is going to be end of life pretty soon, and you want to make sure that, that site stays up and stays secure. That's what MyDropWizard.com can do for you. For a low monthly fee, they start at about $99. MyDropWizard.com will help keep your core, Drupal core, and uh, contributed modules up to date. They will help you keep the site online. They will answer support questions for core and popular contrib modules, and they will even perform basic one-off maintenance tasks, things like fixing up a view or you know, making a CSS tweak or something like that. If you are in the position where you don't want to have to maintain your Drupal uh, 7 site anymore, then you should definitely give the folks at mydropwizard.com. All plans include a complimentary site audit, a 24-hour response time, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. So it's worth your time to check them out. Just go to mydropwizard.com. I am here with April Sides, one of the organizers of Drupal Camp Asheville. How many organizers are there? Like, not volunteers, but does everything go through you? or? Um, I kind of take that lead organizer. I call myself a camp director because I think it's funny, but I kind of am the lead organizer. And then Jonathan Daggerhart has really been my number two, and we've, we've been co-organizing for a while, and we've had other people come in. Um, but we have a pretty good team this year. Yeah? So, yeah. All right. So you're, let me get a quick background. Uh, you work with Lullabot. What do you do for Lullabot? What's I am your... a senior developer, back-end uh, developer. All right. And you have been one of the organizers in Asheville for a few years at least, right? Yes. So the camp was originally created by Matthew Connerton, and when he left and moved to Florida, uh, I stepped into that role. And are you enjoying it? I do. I mean, it, it, it is a lot of work, and it can be stressful, but it's very rewarding to see the opportunity that you can provide for people to share their knowledge, to learn new things, and meet new people, and just, you know, bring all my friends to Asheville. Yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of selfish, but that was one of the reasons why I, you know, helped with Florida Drupal Camp for so long, is because it, it was a camp I didn't have to get on an airplane to go to. Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, Florida, I guess Florida... In February is something to brag about because of the weather, um, but I would think Asheville, you know, any time of year is something to brag about because it's such a beautiful town um, in a beautiful location. Yep, I love Asheville. Um, have you lived there your whole life? No, so I went to UNC Asheville uh, for college, or for uh, yeah, for college, and graduated in 2003 and just stuck around. Yeah. I had a job out of college, and so I was able to start gaining experience because you see job applications are like five-plus years' experience. So I'm like, okay, I've got this. Let me stick around here. And then I just ended up staying because the town's really transformed even since I've graduated into very much a tourist destination. It's like a top-ten destination in the world. It's Portland, to, Oregon, to East. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I ended up in Florida. Went to college and stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's do some quick hits here. When is Drupal Camp Asheville? It is July 10th through 12th. Um, so we have like it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday on Fridays. Um, we're gonna have, we're gonna have an unconference this year, and we'll do some trainings. Um, we'll have some contributions. So if you've never contributed to the project, there'll be an opportunity to learn how to do that. Um, on Saturday we do sessions, and then on Sunday we do what we call a community retreat, but we go on a hike as a community. Um, go see a waterfall, 
Yeah, we're going to dig into that in a second. Yeah. Okay. But you just said unconference. <laughs> yeah. But then there's also session proposals, so now I'm confused. Right. So the unconference is everyone comes together who wants to participate, and then on the fly there, you decide what you want to talk about. You can bring a talk. Um, so maybe if you submitted a session and it wasn't accepted, you can bring it to the unconference and present it. Okay. I understand. So And then break out into groups to talk about different so topics. So like on Friday, is that training and the unconference? Yeah, so there'll be trainings going on, like all-day trainings, and then the unconference is going to be in the afternoon. And then sessions that get proposed and accepted, those happen on Saturday. Correct. Okay, that there was my confusion. Yes. There we go. Um, and then Sunday, which I think is pretty unique as far as being like an official camp announced event, is basically an outdoor activity Yeah. in a place that you know warrants having outdoor activities. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that our camp is a great, like, place to come and get refreshed. And, like, it's a great laid-back environment. It's not a huge camp, so you get a chance to talk to people, and it's really relaxed. And then we go out and we get into nature, and we just, like, have that connection with nature a little bit and, yeah. and get to know some people. Yeah, we were talking earlier, and, like, one of the things that, uh, forget about with even with camps, but, like, for, for me as a person, I like putting people in slightly uncomfortable situations. Not not in, like, danger or not to tease them in any way, but just to help people get out of their comfort zone a little bit. So I think taking a bunch of people who are normally behind a keyboard and saying, let's go outside for, uh, like, how long are these hikes? Five-mile hikes or less? Or Oh, it's not that long. Not that it's, long? Yeah. It's, but it's, even, like, going outside yeah. where there's sun and nature <laughs> all around you. <laughs> yeah. For some people that could be something that they don't necessarily get, you know, the opportunity or aren't willing to do or something they would never think to do. Correct. Right? Yep. Um, all right. So registration is not yet open. Will be open soonish. we'll say? Let's say I'm hoping in the next two weeks. All right. And we're not going to – we're not even talking about what – date today is nor are we going to say when the podcast is coming out so no matter what within two weeks <laughs> that sounds that sounds good yeah right um so what's the best way for people who are who are hearing this saying oh i think i want to go to Asheville." what's the best way for people like if they want to be notified when tickets go on sale twitter you have a newsletter like what's the best way to yeah so we do have a newsletter and we're also posting actively on twitter facebook linkedin and i think we just added instagram so if you search for Drupal Camp Asheville, any of those places, you should be good? Yeah. So it's Drupal Asheville, I think, in most places. DrupalAsheville.com is our website, and we'll be posting things there as well. And right. you can get – that's where you can uh, sign up for the newsletter. And session proposals are open through, I think you just told me, the end of April, something like that? Yeah. The final deadline is April 27th. All right. April 27th. Um, and one of the nice things, I mean, summer camps – summer camps. I just yeah. like saying summer camp. Yeah. Summer camps uh, – are good if there's some place uh, that it's nice to be outside. So coming from Florida in July, Asheville is like a dream. I'm, for, I'm sure for a lot of people, even like in uh, mid-Atlantic and up like northeast, um, you know, who, who live in populated areas, summer can kind of suck there. And to be able to escape to the beautiful mountains of North Carolina for a, a few days, um, that's, that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, we say make it a week in Asheville, you know. 
because uh, over bring the, the weekend, family, yeah, and just bring stay the family, the and then over over the camp, you know, we have lots of uh, social engagements after after activities, yeah, and we try to make them very family friendly. You know, bring right. your spouse, your friend, your kids, that sort of thing. Um, because we just want people to feel relaxed and feel comfortable coming to social events. Yeah, it's a very uh, community-ish yep. type of camp. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, there, there are some camps out there that are just really focused on sessions and, and get in, learn, maybe sprint, and everything else kind of an afterthought. Um, yours is kind of like more of like a holistic camp almost, where the, the networking and the social stuff is just as important as, as the other side. Which, yeah. as you know, is a good analogy for how human beings would probably be as well. Yeah, and I I haven't had a chance to. I don't think I've told you about what we did last year. We did a reciprocity board, where people could say what they're looking for, and post it on the board, and then other people could come along and help them fulfill that need or want or desire. Like a sandwich. Like I'm um, looking for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and yeah, maybe someone can. Fulfill you can it. put that on there. Exactly. Oh, that sounds um, fantastic. And we're planning to do that again this year. Uh, All more right. sort of a replacement for boffs because sometimes it's kind of hard for a small camp to yeah. organize the boffs. This is a way that people can kind of connect. Maybe uh, somebody comes and they have the one thing that they want to gain from the camp, but they're Help too shy. Help me solve X. Yeah, they're, maybe yeah. they're shy and they don't know how to ask for it right. or who to ask. And there's so many people there that want to help, but don't yeah. know what people need or how to help them. That's a great so idea. It's a, a great way to make connections, I think. And it sounds like you're doing it again, so it sounds like it, you found some success with yeah. it. Yeah, I think a lot of people liked it. All right. I think we've I, I think we've covered everything we need to talk about. Go to Drupal Camp Asheville. That's yes. the that's the short <laughs> version, right? Yep. All right, April. Thank you. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, great talking to you. Thanks. Welcome to the Change Notice. I'm Chris Swimmer. This is a new segment that focuses on the Drupal Code Repository and the steady progress by developers around the world. Developers like you. Today's recording was pieced together in the early days of March and submitted for code review on March the 5th for a last-minute production push on a Friday. I'd like to highlight five changes that may or may not have an impact, but I think are pretty cool. Number one, status of Drupal 9 Beta 1. A March beta is still possible by XJM posted on g.d.o node 535810. The post talks about how there are still issues related to upgrade paths that need attention and inclusion before the beta can be released. But the good news is that updates to dependencies on PHP libraries, JavaScript libraries, and CSS libraries have already been happening, and there are a number of platform changes, like the minimum of PHP being raised to 7.3, that have already been done. Please do not hesitate to test Drupal 9 with your current Drupal 8 code bases to see where the gaps in your code base lies. That brings us to number two. JavaScript libraries are updated. In Drupal 8.8, .8, we saw the deprecation and eventual removal of a number of polyfills such as DOM-ready, match media, and class list. 
In Drupal 8.9, we see the inclusion of a few more polyfills as a result of an update to the Popper JS library. These polyfills include things such as support for ES6 promises, object.assign, and array.fill methods. The fact that they can be included is kind of exciting because it shows the resilience of our code base. But on the other hand, it shows what we have to do in order to support Internet Explorer 11. Still. Number three, deprecation of stable and classy themes in Drupal 9. When I first read this, I was a little bit alarmed. I thought perhaps these themes were going to be removed and that was going to be a problem. It took a lot of digging, but eventually I realized that deprecating these themes and making it so themes such as Bartik, Claro, Seven, and the Umami themes no longer will be extended from Classy was an important step to making sure that our themes can be advanced and iterated upon just like our code is. If we continue to base those themes on themes that pretty much can't change because if they did change, they would break testing suites, they would cause a cascade of problems throughout the code base. Uh, we can't be we can't be uh, we can't be locked down because of those concerns. And this actually leads us to number four, an update on the upcoming new theme Olivero posted on lullabot.com. There was a code sprint of new work for the theme at the Florida Drupal Camp, and a lot of progress was made on a lot of the key sections of a Drupal site that you wouldn't normally come to expect. Menus, content sections, blocks, all received treatment and refinement. There's still a lot of work to do, including some of the more obscure sections of Drupal, such as support for the book module, the form module, embedded media, various sections of views, and of course accessibility, internationalization, and compliance with code standards. A lot of help is needed. If you're eager to help out, there's a link at the bottom of that lullabot post, which will be linked in the, uh, the podcast. We'll make sure of it. Pointing to the meta issue that's organizing all of the tasks related to Oliveira. Finally, number five, an update of the PHP unit dependency to PHP unit eight. PHP unit seven, a previously supported version, fell out of the common support on February 7th of this year. So PHP unit was updated to eight in order to ensure that we could ship a version of PHP unit that is under general support. By the PHP unit team. Work has already begun to update the dependency to PHP unit 9. As a result, you may be seeing some new deprecated functions related to tests showing up in code if you update to the latest. That was five cool things I found in the change notices. Now for shoutouts.
Shout out to Nerdery for being an awesome place to work and for all the contributions to Drupal modules this year. Keep it up, gang. Shout out to Mike Anello for encouraging me to put this piece together. Finally, shout out to Tess Flynn for being the reference of choice for developers who are learning to write tests for Drupal. Go Night Vale. This has been The Change Notice. Thank you for listening. If you have feedback, please include it in the comments. We can make this better next time. Bye. Before we wrap up this podcast, I want to give a quick note about DrupalCon Minneapolis. As of the recording of this podcast, DrupalCon Minneapolis is still a go. Lately, there have been a bunch of large tech events that have been canceled or postponed due to the coronavirus. But as of today, which is Friday, March 6th, the uh, DrupalCon Minneapolis is still a go. As always, please pay attention to uh, notices and updates from the DrupalCon uh, staff and the Drupal Association. And do your part to help prevent the spread of the virus. Wash your hands, and then wash your hands, then wash your hands again. Maybe adopt the L-bump rather than shaking hands or giving hugs when you see people. And just, you know, be a little bit more careful about your health and things you touch out in public or even at your home, um, inside your home. Um, Just try and do what you can to help stop the spread of this awful virus. The Drupal Association has published an official information page about the coronavirus and any effect it may have on DrupalCon Minneapolis, and we will have that link in the show notes. I want to say thank you to our guests this week on the podcast, Mike Pirog talking about the Lando Alliance, April Sides talking about Drupal Camp Asheville, and my favorite new segment, The Change Notice with Chris Weber. If you know someone or if you would like to contribute a segment to the podcast, feel free to contact me at info at We will see you on the next episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!